Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Ali Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Here we are. Here we are. I had to send John down to the like sports locker in our apartment to watch hockey because he couldn't commit to not screaming at the TV. So he has to watch the first period in another room. We've never, we've never talked on the podcast about how our husbands get um, agitated about things that maybe are not agitating. (laughs) I don't know. Do you think hockey is not, I feel like a lot of men really like sports and I like to yell at the TV when I'm watching hockey with him. No, no, it's not even that yelling at hockey isn't agitating. It's that he's probably more animated because of the underlying, like we've talked, I mean, we haven't talked on the podcast, like about how Eric gets so upset about pandas and it's just kind of (laughs) part of his personality. I didn't know if you had to like have some kind of special vow, like if you were going to, like Eric had to sign some permission for you to talk about his pandas thing. I don't know. It's so funny because... (laughs) Well, okay, so to set the context, he gets completely spun up about pandas because he said any species that's too dumb to fuck doesn't deserve to survive. And he just thinks they're the dumbest ever. (laughs) And that's fine as an opinion. Um, But he gets so mad, like he'll go on a rant, like you just, Eric, hey, what about pandas? And he'll just go on this crazy rant. And the last time we talked about this at dinner time, I was telling him that you and I had talked about it because John was also like on a rant about something random. And he opened his mouth and then he shuts his mouth and he goes, nope, I'm not going to engage as if I was trying to provoke <laughs> an argument him up about him. pandas. Right. And really all I said was, you know, how you know, pandas. And then he just, <laughs> you will not just, me in. You're not going to, you're just not going to bait me by saying the word panda. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and I feel like maybe John has a few of these, a few more of these than is normal. So I don't even know what thing he was spun up about. I just remember you talking about that it was like that. But I joke sometimes that he just like, he hasn't moved past that stage in life where like, you just love to hate stuff like when you're a teenager. And John, like all you have to, it must've been about the Broncos. Like we grew up in Colorado, both of us grew up in Colorado and he, had a negative experience with the Broncos fan once and he like hates the Broncos. So he would really get excited about telling everybody how much he hates the Broncos, maybe even more than how much he loves the Avs. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like what they talk about with animals, puppies, especially they call it, there's a word for it. It's like single event learning. Um, You have to be really careful. There's periods of time when puppies are a certain age, when they're really little And then again, when they're, I think a year and a half or something, and they have what's called single event learning. And if they have a negative experience, like if they get scared by a bike or something, like one of our dogs had this because we were walking with our friends and our friend's son bumped her with his tricycle and she was terrified of bikes for the rest of her whole life. She had a single event learning that bikes are scary. So I think our husbands are a little locked into single event learning in some respects. Maybe. I don't know. But, if, like a panda murdered Eric's dad. I don't know if there's some deep, dark secret. That's what I was going to say. It. Like John can <laughs> tell you the story about the Broncos fan and how infuriated he was. But I don't, you know, what, like seven or eight or something. But I don't know if Eric can tell you why he hates pandas. Yeah, I, I, he probably was just sitting there stewing. I tease you sometimes <laughs> about starting conversations in the middle. <clears throat> and my husband is the king of that. Like he'll just sit there in perfect silence for about four hours and then say, you know what the thing about that is? Like, yes, dear, you've been <laughs> quiet for four hours. But... And what's funny is now we've been married long enough that I can often get caught up within about 30 seconds. I was going to say, and that works because you know, do you know exactly what he's talking about? Almost usually, instantly. usually. Yeah, usually. I don't know if it's, if he gives off a certain scent, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but yes (laughs) you should tell about Riley and the phone call with grandma oh yes okay this is just a cute story so um my grandmother's still living and she's my only living how old is your grandma she's really old (laughs) we tell her all the time how old she is she's 95 
she, she turned 95 last she's a she'll be 96 next month all right I, I like 2021 went by 2020 lasted like I don't know six or seven years and 2021 <laughs> has been like five minutes it feels like like oh my gosh it's almost Halloween um, I mean I was just uh, getting something notarized this afternoon and I was like holy it can't be the end of October like I literally I know feel like I mean it makes sense in the context of my life but I'm glad that I'm not the only one feeling like that because I'm like where did I mean I still sometimes am dating things like for May like yeah. I put a five and I have to cross it out like oh yeah we're in October I think we were so stunned from last year that we just haven't really been able to like take the break off I have no idea but anyway so I have my grandma she's 95 she's going to be 96 and um I have taken inspiration from the movie Coco, you know, the movie Coco, the Pixar I know movie. you don't expect me to know that. Come on. It's recent even. Okay. Little Pixar movie. Is that the one with all the dead people? Yeah. Yeah. With the, the Mexican day of the dead, the land, you know, all right. the land of the dead and grandma Coco is, um, let me think, or mama Coco. I mean, she's, let's see, there's, she's the great grandma of the little boy, the main character. And there's a fantastic scene where he's just like verbal diarrhea all over her about his day. He's eight mm-hmm. or nine. No, he's maybe 11. Um, and she's just sitting there. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, this is the answer to everything. <laughs> because my grandma loves to get phone calls and Riley loves to just verbal about her day. Not as much now at 13, but when she was much younger, I have a picture of her um, and she's it's so cute. She's maybe eight or nine. She's sitting in a chair and she's got her legs straight up on the arm of the chair. You know how teenagers do, right? With their legs straight up in the air. She's got her right. legs straight up on the arm of the chair and she's talking on the phone. And she and Graham Great used to talk on the phone like 30 minutes at a time. It's beautiful. Everybody's happy, right? <laughs> right. So we were driving the other day. I said, why don't you call Grandma Great? Oh, and by the way, Grandma Great is the name she gave herself. When I say her name as if it's not a thing, that's not her actual name. But when my sister first had kids, my grandma said she had heard someone else who was a great grandma went by grandma great. And she's like, that's what I want to be. And we all thought it was super cute. Yeah. Um, And it's less confusing for the kids, right? There's grandma this and grandpa this and then grandma great. So we have grandma great. I said, why don't you call grandma great? So she called her. She's on speaker. They're chatting away, having this pleasant little conversation. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, yep. This is, oh, that sounds like fun. After about five minutes, my grandma says, can you do me a huge favor? Riley says, yeah, of course. Can you tell me who this is? Because I did not catch your name and her, or she didn't say I didn't catch your name, but she couldn't, my grandma's starting to lose her hearing now. And so she just didn't recognize her voice. (laughs) I thought it's so funny that she tried for a super long time to get, you know, this is obviously, obviously one of the children in the family, but she just, there weren't enough context clues because we were just talking about going to school and classes and driving and going to the doctor and all the things. So yes, it was very cute and sweet. But so you then, could oh, have yes. totally made something up. Like it could have been like a friend of Riley's or like somebody who needed to borrow a grandma that probably would have worked out. Totally. We could just say it was Riley and just have her call. It'd be great for everybody because <laughs> she would get a phone call and the kid would get to tell whatever they needed to tell. My grandma I loves kids. Ideal. Yeah. Yeah. She always says she hopes her work in heaven is making cookies and rocking babies. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Thank God it's somebody else's <laughs> right? version of heaven. Well, I mean, right? Like, if, if everyone was the eye, where would the foot be? Like, that is the, the way God <laughs> created the body. Um, it's true. Yeah. So, yes, that is that was a cute thing that happened in life this week or last week. I don't know because I'm losing track. <laughs> Sometime in 2021. Sometime in 2021, this happened. The conversation happened in my car between my grandma and my daughter. And it is so funny, the role reversals um, as you get older, because when I was little, she took me out. And then the last time we were home, because she lives in Michigan, um, we took her out and I, we took her out. There's this, um, this very well-known old, it's been rebuilt because it burned, but it's like classic hot dog place, the corner bar in Rockford, Michigan. Fantastic. Um, and she's like, oh, that sounds really good. So we took her out and then we said, and it's in this really cute downtown area. It's really like cutesy, old fashioned town. And she said, you know, there's, um, this candy store, I think right here on the block. We said, okay, you want to go down there? 
you know, do you want to walk around? Cause she doesn't walk as well as she used to. I said, sure. So we, you know, ambulate down there and um, took her in and she was picking stuff out. And I said to the lady or the girl, girl behind the counter, she was 18 or something. I said, don't let her pay for anything. My grandma, no, no, no. I said, no, we're going to buy this as a present. I said, if she tries to buy anything, you just knock her right down. It's super easy. She'll just go <laughs> right over because she walks with a walker. So we took her home with her bag of candy and I called my sister. I said, you know, it's like taking out my niece. I took her out for hot dogs and can and bought her some candy and then took her home. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the, that's the role reversal as you get older. And I'm the oldest grandchild too. So she was stunned when I told her that I'm about to turn 50. Oh my gosh. Right. Can you imagine like, Oh my, she's going to be 50. Yeah. Like how do, how do I have a grandchild that's 50? Holy crap. Not 50 yet, but soon. I mean, my mom came out of her room um, for anybody who doesn't know, she lives with us like half the year, but that has become like a long time because of COVID. And then right. we, we share her, but really I just would like to keep her all the time. So I pretend she's going to go to Chile for the other half of the year to keep everyone appeased. But um, she comes out of her room and just like opens her door and puts her hands out and she's in her pajamas and she goes like, ta-da. And I was like, what are you five like you just cut up and like ta-da and it is a little bit of that like sweetness and you know it's kind of fantastic although I don't know who's going to be around for that when I'm you know in my 70s Riley will be there for you okay I'll come I'll be like Riley come over I need to act like a child it's my turn yep you need to buy me hot (laughs) dog you know before um is this going to just turn into a story podcast for anybody who's wondering where this is going we're going to talk more about accelerants but when, we're just um, going to drive down the road, tell we're stories. Just drive down the road, talking, telling stories. So my mom used to always make our co- our Halloween costumes. Oh, this is perfect for this time of year too. When I was a little kid, she made us Halloween costumes, and we were in Michigan. She always made them with like a built-in mitten that you could pull back and pull back on. There was like a little slit at the wrist. You could put the mitten on and off, necessary for the Halloween costume, and she then she made them for my nieces too. I had three nieces when my mom died. And so that year I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So the first year I made them the cute little fairy costumes. I think I've told this on the podcast. And then the next year I made the mistake of letting them choose their costumes. And that's one a very an, big mistake. Oh my gosh. One picked an angel. That wasn't so bad. Another one picked Tinkerbell, which I made out of knits. And I didn't know how to sew knits and I didn't have the right machine or the right needle. That was horrific. And then another one picked Sleeping Beauty, which was I don't know, like $90 worth of fabric before I even started sewing it. Like this is insane. So I didn't have, I wasn't married at the time. And I told my sister, I said, when I'm old, the one who picked the angel can just call me in the nursing home, but the other two better be taking me out for lunch once a week (laughs) from my nursing home. Because they they owe me forever. They owe me. So yeah, but now I have Riley and I've sewn many costumes for her, including a Rapunzel costume that took like five years off my life. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was a time in my life where my mom might have made a Halloween costume for me, but for sure that never happened for my children. That wasn't even on the, um, that wasn't even on the radar, but I will say that my dad was the king of garage sailing for years. Like, I don't think I almost ever bought like new clothes and for sure not like toys and stuff. Cause my dad would go buy all the stuff that was like literally brand new. And then like, put it in his closet. So I would just go Christmas shopping for toys for the boys, especially the boys in his closet. But he would buy these crazy intricate Halloween costumes and they had, they would just go like shopping in his closet for what they were going to be for Halloween. Like it was better than deciding what they wanted to be. Yeah. Because what do you do with those other than just give them away? Or if you're lucky, sell them. I was reading um, social media like the last week or two and someone said, what do Americans do with all their Halloween costumes? It seems like you guys have a new one every year. You know, that's a really good question. I almost (laughs) don't know. (laughs) Like I was just getting, um, I'm actually going this year. I I bought only one thing. I had all the clothes. Um, I had to buy a wig and some fake eyelashes and the rest of the stuff is stuff I already had. So I feel super proud about that. That That's pretty good. Yeah. I, one year I went as the, um, the we can do it woman, you know, from the poster. And I didn't buy anything for that. I had Eric had a, um, a dress shirt that was about the same color. So I put it on, rolled up the sleeves. So it looked like a work shirt. 
And then I had some red with white polka dot fabric from a skirt I had made Riley, like this mesh fabric. And so I made the hairnet out of that, did the red lipstick, away we go. That's all it took. Very, very impressive. I feel yes. like I should say that when we were in Europe for Halloween, like John has to dress up for Halloween. Like it's, I mean, come on, theater teacher. Like he was kind of mad that I wouldn't let him pack any of his Halloween costumes to take over with us. And then when it got to be Halloween, like I could tell he was like, come on, I got to dress up. So I was like, all right, we'll go find a costume. So for days, he like looked everywhere. Couldn't find yeah, anything because it's not really a thing. And right. also they, they only dress up like, ghouls and witches and things like that and nobody dresses up like you know bad janet or like princess barbie or something right like bad so, janet, like me yeah oh you didn't say that that's what you're i didn't you're say that's what year. i was gonna be yeah bad janet actually technically i also bought one other thing i bought black press on nails and as i was at the store looking at the eyelashes and then press on nails i was thinking did it hurt did it hurt when I bought your product that you made for real just for my cheesy Halloween costume? Did that make you sad? <laughs> like, whoever made this, I would never buy it unless I was pretending to be someone else. <laughs> like, I know you're not factoring in the only Halloween value. So I um, eventually John went to like a costume store, like a proper theater costume store, which they do have for carnival because for carnival, People yes. really dress up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go crazy for that. But and that's actually um, an adult holiday, whereas Halloween is like a co-opted children's holiday. It's true. But I saw plenty of kids dressed up for carnival, but in more like no, more Halloween. I was saying I was saying the other way around. Like in the US, adults dress up in costumes, and that's a relatively new phenomenon. Yes, for sure. So he won it. John won like an he had the time of his life for like five or six hours getting dressed up and then he was like Ivan the Terrible and he won like two awards you know at these like pubs we went to that night but all of our friends and I dressed up like some girl from the 80s and nobody knew who I was but this year I was like they just thought I was dressed weird like they didn't even think I had they're like oh John dressed up but you didn't and I was like I'm not wearing my hair in a side pony with like all this stuff. If you think like, no, literally well, nobody understood. To be fair. You don't do that. <laughs> and to be fair in Europe, they're always a little bit behind trends. <laughs> so like if you went to a discotheque, there might be somebody dressed up like the eighties currently right now. Although that the might 80s still be happening. Back. Yeah. The I'm going to dress back. like the eighties this year. I wasn't going to dress like anything, but now I'm going to wear the exact same thing I wore in Europe. Because I bought this awful shirt and uh, it's like hot pink and there's like a girl's face on it with like Didn't tassels. you wear it? Didn't you wear it to the 80s party at one doTERRA event? I don't think so. I think this is after that that I bought it. I remember it. the side pony. I know because it comes in so handy just side pony for 80s. That's all you need. But no, I just yeah. bought this like two years ago. So, But I'm going to wear it now and go out in public and see if people understand in the U.S. and then tell my Italian friends about it. Well, and it might be hard again because the 80s are coming back. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to the side pony. The side pony is not coming. Hopefully the side pony is not coming back. back. And crimping. (laughs) I've seen people like with their hair crimped and it wasn't even for like a joke. Like there was a bunch of volleyball girls in town. Because we have all these conventions in downtown Salt Lake. So we see all kinds of stuff. There's all these volleyball girls. And I was like, oh, there's actual hair crimping going on. What is this? That's but fantastic. apparently it's like a thing again. So, but when here's the last thing about Halloween that I have oh, to I say. Was gonna say. Go go for it. And then I have some to say something about the 80s. So John's working as an edutainer at like the snake place right now called scales yeah. and tails and he loves it it's like the dream job right like I saw it advertised on Facebook and I was like I'm married to an edutainer go do that and he loves it every day he's like I love my job I'm like thank god this is great but he can take snakes and stuff home with him which I've totally told him he's not allowed no, to do no absolutely no I would rather and I don't even let home. him it's disgusting I don't even let him take pictures and send them to me without pre-warning like I do not want to see a lizard on your head no but yeah he posted he, on I Facebook was thinking, and said, did you, did you see my pictures on Facebook? I'm like, did they have snakes in them? Then no, I did not look at those. I pictures. was like, skip, skip. I know. I mean, he is like a little kid. And the worst part is there's so many little kids who are just totally enamored 
that he is getting a lot of feedback about how awesome it is. And he's not really listening to the feedback about how gross it is. <laughs> but I was trying to figure out like how I could incorporate like him as a snake handler into something that I could do for Halloween, but I gave up Why on that you, very quickly. You could go as a snake or your mom could. I she could, could go as a snake. Yeah. I don't know what a Magini is. Nagini. She's the snake woman from Harry Potter. It's kind of dumb. She was the snake in Harry Potter. And then they made up this backstory that she used to be a lady. A lot of people think it's dumb, but you could probably dress up like her. I think I'm going to skip it altogether for sure now. Fair enough. Okay, Eric's now you tell your story. Sanders. Well, I was. Oh, that is very funny. Isn't that funny? And he's going, so we're going to a potluck and he's going as Colonel Sanders. And he always makes, um, there's a place in town that makes this thing that we love. And he makes his version of it, which is jalapenos stuffed with um, crab dip, wrapped in bacon and baked. They're delicious. Um, And people love them. And so he always brings those. He makes a few jalapenos, a couple habaneros. And he said, this year, I think I'm going to bring KFC with me. We'll get some KFC and we'll bring it to the potluck. And Riley said, wait, what about if we (laughs) order KFC and we just keep the bucket and then you can put your jalapenos in the bucket and bring those to the party. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, Riley Rogala, clap my hands. That's fantastic. <laughs> that so is we had, very, we had KFC for dinner on Sunday just so that we could get the bucket. <laughs> but I was also thinking there's got to be some way you can tie KFC in with Bad Janet. Like we were going to be these awesome poppers. Instead, you get Bad Janet giving you KFC instead. I can't imagine your family has ever ordered KFC before ever. Oh my gosh, Eric loves KFC really oh my gosh yes he loves that garbage chicken (laughs) all right i'll take your family down a peg in my opinion of you don't don't take my whole family down (laughs) i'm sorry but that's what's happening oh well that's fair i guess um no the 80s thing i was gonna say as this becomes the most rambly podcast ever um my sister called me again when her kids were little and they were going to eat. They had eighties day at school the same way that we had fifties day when we were kids. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so old. But um, <laughs> she called me and she was laughing so hard that she was crying. Like she was crying, laughing because she had to remember, right? Like this was eighties things were like eighties day. Wasn't a thing. Like now dress like the eighties is a thing, but it was just maybe like the first time. She's right. like, what did we do? I have to remember. And she was, <laughs> she was laughing so hard. She could hardly talk. And she said, I taught her how to peg her jeans. And then I start laughing. So I'm crying because I, for, I forgot all about pegging jeans. Remember how you fold your jeans and then you twist your jean and then fold up the bottom. Mm-hmm. Remember that how the jeans were super baggy and then you would like wrap them around your ankle and then fold up the bottom. So she taught the kids how to do that. And I had completely forgotten about doing that. And I was showing someone at work how to do it like a year or so ago. And they're like, that is ridiculous. I'm like, I know, I know, but the pants were really big and baggy. And so this was what you did. And then it made your pants look even bigger and baggier. And then you went down to like a weird little peg ankle. (laughs) Our music was good. (laughs) The fashions, not so much. All right. Have we got, have we got Um, all the rambling out? Um, I I mean, never, but okay. Never. Yeah. Okay. So we decided we wanted to talk more about accelerants because we just did one all about why accelerants are important, but we didn't really dive into like the details and the juiciness of it. It's so plus I was kind of hoping you would let me tell the story about my massage from last week and how I was like, no kidding. And you're like, this is exactly what we just talked about. We already did that on the last podcast. No, it happened since then. My thing about emotions. Thing about emotions. Okay, well, tell that story. Because we already told the one where you got the massage and you were all massage drunk and staggering all over and had the big breakthrough. And I was like, well, duh. We already did a whole podcast about that. We just did. I know. But then I went back for another massage, of course. And yeah, of course. She I was said, I'm like ready to fly to Salt Lake. You should. She's amazing. But this time we were talking about the emotions and I told her we talked about her a little bit on the podcast but at one point she said she separated feelings from emotions and I feel like I should tell the story for other people who are like as emotionally you know challenged as I am (laughs) yeah I was gonna use the word stunted but I didn't want them to feel bad like how you always make me feel um (laughs) rude (laughs) just kidding (laughs) look if the shoe Um, fits stunted (laughs) 
I mean, you're just kind of stunted, period. Like, you're just very tiny. I'm very short, and then it comes to that, too. So, I mean, have you, tell the thing about when you coached me for, like, four months when you were doing your coach training (laughs) on emotions, because that really gives it the right context. It really does. It really does. Let me see. And to be fair, you and I have had conversations with me on the receiving end where I'm like, I just can't get this. Um, So I was coaching you through about, like, thoughts create feelings and then feelings create actions, you know, a real simplistic approach. And, and now I can't even remember what I was telling you, but like every week I would tell you, you know, and, and you do, um, Americans especially do this, but you do it especially, which is, um, we substitute the word feel for think. So we say like, I really feel like you're being stupid right now. Like, no, that's not a feeling. That's a thought. Like I feel, well, I feel angry is a feeling, but like, I feel like I don't want to, or I feel like you're not listening to me. Like those are all thoughts. And we say, I think that guy's such an asshole. I feel like that guy's such an asshole. We do exchange it. Yeah. 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 We exchange it. So I was trying to get you to like, actually feel like get into your emotions, feel your, in your body, like recognize what does anger feel like what does this feel like what does that feel like and really where do you feel that in your body yeah Yeah. where do you feel that and really get like my thoughts and my feelings are these separate distinct things one of them is happening basically in my brain and the other one's happening in my body and then you can have thoughts about feelings you know like um excitement and fear in our body feel really similar um and then we just tell ourselves a story about whether we're afraid or excited. So that's like one of the classic Mm -hmm. tricks. So every week we, I would say, you know, I think you really just, you could really get into this. We would talk all about feelings and then you would say after about four or five weeks, or maybe it was more than that. And you said, you know, can I ask you, (laughs) can I ask you if you could just tell me like one thing, if you had just could boil it down to just one thing that, you felt like if I could do that one thing, it would really have a big breakthrough. And I just started laughing, which I would never do if I was coaching like a regular client, right? Um, That's so unfair. Inside our friendship, like it would be to feel your feelings <laughs> again. Oh. Um, and you were just so, I just, I don't know, resistant to it. And it's so foreign. I mean, we've talked a little bit about your empathy and how much you've grown there. And that when you, when we first started talking about empathy, you were like, it's dumb. Like I do it for you all the time and you'd love it. I know. And that was like one of those holy shit moments. Like, what do you mean? So obviously I'm a little stunted or a lot when it comes to this, but in all fairness, like I've really learned to mistrust emotions in my childhood like my dad is super stoic but my mom really struggled with depression and so I learned to and also she called me a drama queen a lot which who knows where yeah. why she would have ever and thought that but I I would say like, go ahead more than no I would say more than learned I'm sorry to interrupt you more than learned you were taught like we can learn something that we weren't taught and we can learn it by accident like Riley got knocked down on the playground one time and a teacher didn't see and didn't help her right away. And she learned nobody will come and help me, but nobody taught her that she learned it by accident. I would say that you not only learned, but you were explicitly taught that emotions were bad. I would, it's different. It's a distinction. It's an important distinction. Anyway, continue. No, I think that's good. Right. Because I learned to filter. Like I even do this now, even though I'm capable of giving people empathy um, and people sometimes are like, I don't even understand. It seems like you're so good at empathy. I'm like, Hee-hee-hee. because I still have this little filter going on. That's like, I'm not sure if you should feel like that, but I've learned, like I, I learned as a child, like bring it in, decide if it's valid. If it's a valid emotion, then it's fine. Then I can give you empathy. But if it's a dumb emotion and you feel that way for a reason that I think is stupid or not useful, then I don't want to validate it. But of course, like it doesn't work that way. You have to be with what's so. So if somebody's feeling furious, even if it's not valid or whatever, or, or useful, you have to be with what's so. So I, I get it now, but man, if there had been an accelerant to help me figure that out, that would have been great. Right. Well, we actually did. We used oils a ton to open up. It's true. We used oils a ton. And I worked with a coach, which is certainly a kind of accelerating and brought a lot of insight to it. I mean, it was for sure one of the areas I was the most 
and still, right. I'm still not like, Oh, I would love to just spend a weekend feeling my feelings. That sounds so great. <laughs> Nobody wants like to hell. Nobody so, wants to. And, and to be completely crystal clear, part of why I think this is so funny is I'm not that different from you. I have just gone farther in the emotions world. Like I suppressed and and thought like, who cares what you feel at work? Just come on and show up as a robot. Like the whole woo podcast where I talked about that. And now I'm just like this big warm mommy that everybody wants to tell their feelings to. And sometimes I'm like, go away with your dumb feelings to be quite (laughs) honest. I've had enough of your dumb feelings. But <laughs> I think it comes more naturally. I need that on a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I've had enough of your dumb feelings. <laughs> and I was believe for two seconds that nobody wants to sit around and feeling their feelings all weekend. I don't believe that's true. I think there's several well, people that are like, that's all I really want in the world. So so there's there's feelings that we indulge in that a lot of people that we all want to indulge in all the time. And that can include feeling confused or feeling victimized or feeling, you know, whatever. But when it comes to feeling like the really hard, traumatic, rock your world emotions, nobody really wants to feel those. Usually even the people that you think of as like feely feelers would rather shove that down and like feel angry instead or feel whatever. I actually saw a tweet, again, a tweet, a screenshot of a tweet on Reddit where someone said, one of the greatest tricks men ever did was to label women as the more emotional sex by saying that anger doesn't count as an emotion. Right. Right. (laughs) Like I've been called emotional at work and I saw a guy one time throw a chair across the room and someone said, that's just how he is. I'm like, the fuck how he is. It's like scary and mean. (laughs) <laughs> right that's that's not emotional at all that's just yeah, he's not true. being emotional <laughs> he just threw a chair the hell dude I'm, I'm sorry i let a tear flow down my face that guy just threw a chair across the room he's not emotional <laughs> it's really true right like it's really he didn't get in trouble either nothing happened yeah, yeah. Right, because that that's acceptable but if you cried in a meeting somebody would have dressed you down for sure yeah like you know being really unprofessional what but what about the chair guy that threw the one chair he took the chair it was on the ground and then it was in the air for a while and then it was on the ground really loud and he he did that (laughs) and he wasn't laughing when he did it he wasn't like hey everyone it's chair throwing time stand back um this just needs to happen like he was furious and completely out of control like I've never seen a woman lose her shit like the way that men do at work I've seen people have meltdowns of all genders, but I have never seen, like, if I had to line them all up from, like, most intense to least intense, the top 10 is all guys. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking about it, too. "Hmm." Yeah. It kind of leans. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you. And I've seen less consequences for that kind of behavior than I have for crying or Yep. You know, being yep. overwhelmed or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's okay, so do back another alley become feminist. <laughs> yeah. So back to my massage for all of, for all of you who are stunted. If you can relate, like you're my people. Um, so you're not stunted. You're just suppressed. <laughs> but it, I love you. Helpful. Lynn loves and I was you. Also like, I kind of hate you a little to the amazing <laughs> massage therapist. And and the poor woman like kind of took me seriously because I was like, I'm out of here. And she's like, it's okay if you need to leave, if you need a minute. And I was like, I'm just going to wife's house. It's fine. Um, I, love, I love the time you being like, I'm out of here. <laughs> right? Like, that's that is so funny. Well, like the other day, um, speaking of accelerants, when I did my Itobi scan and I was reading it to you and I'm like, I hate the Itobi and it's the dumbest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> because it was so on the nose I'm like oh screw you i toby i hate you you're I... broken and you're stupid <laughs> why can't you just say something nice like i need a hug just tell me i need vanilla in the diffuser and go away <laughs> right okay so she said but she made kind of a distinction which i don't even know if i think this is like a great distinction or not but i've been aware of it and, and it was really convicting how she said it because i 
and added a lot of value to emotions. So she basically said, feelings are just like whatever, everything happens. So she kind of collapsed the thoughts become feelings, but sort of that impulsive, um, just what shows up where we don't have a lot of control. Like you have to do some work to change some of those natural things. Like, you know, John starts yelling at cars, you know, having some road rage and I instantly have this like, you know, reaction, like I need to calm yeah. him down when really I yeah, don't like, like, who cares if he flips the guy off and we'll just drive down the street, like whatever. Well, and but, that's, um, speaking of training, um, culturally, like I, I have the same thing. I, I one time read this huge thread about how women feel when men yell. And I don't think men know, um, but we have been trained to de-escalate a man who's upset um, as if it's an extremely dangerous situation because often it is an extremely dangerous situation for us like the collective wisdom of us as all women not just like if my husband's yelling he's taught me to de-escalate him that's not a thing but like I've been trained as a woman in this culture and like inherited it from my grandmother's that if a man is yelling, it needs to be de-escalated. And that kind of like, it's almost like a trauma response, what you're saying that not him yelling, but that like, oh, like danger, danger. We know, we know, we know like that alarm that goes off. Yeah, for sure. And I've never been in a situation personally where I felt physically threatened by a man in any kind of like, for sure, like walking down the street, there have been moments where I'm like, whoa, shit. But like, I've never been in a relationship where there's any so kind of funny. anything like that. <laughs> so funny that you just stepped right over it I shouldn't laugh but like I've not been in a relationship like an, an intimate partner relationship where I felt dangerous but you just stepped over you're like I've never been where I felt like a man was threatening I mean other than walking down no, the street I of mean, course that but like not in a place where like where he's yelling like I haven't been in a meeting where somebody threw a chair you know like oh, that right, kind yeah, of true immediate danger uh, you know like that I wasn't stepping over it like I think we've talked about and you've told many men, like given a lot of insight to like, Hey, the fact that you walked down the street without even having to worry about if you're safe or not, like that is a lot, like that's part of what's happening. Like women yeah. are like, that's not something that's not in most of our space at any given moment, just as part of right. survival or whatever. So right. like when Riley and I first started playing Pokemon go, which I'm sure most people know, but for your sake, is a little game you play on your phone where you walk around and it uses augmented reality and you catch the little Pokemon. And they entered and Riley, I started playing it with Riley to get her to go on walks with me. And then it became a thing. And then I had to end up grinding for the different stuff. And then all of a sudden I'm like going on raids with guys at work because I have like the highest powered Pokemon. It was crazy. But <laughs> um, <laughs> they introduced something where you could make friends and you could trade and you could trade with like your real life friends, but you didn't even have to be, there was time when you had to be in like somewhat proximity, but then I think they switched that because I remember trading with my brother-in-law somehow, but whatever anyway, but they made it so that you could be, um, I think it was within a hundred yards of each other and it would still work. And I was talking at work when it came out with the same guys, right? Most of whom were over six feet, not all of, most of them are six feet or taller. Um, I used to work at a really weirdly tall place. Not every guy, but most of the guys that were big. Um, and I said, yeah, I really appreciate that, that I can, I could hook up with somebody like through a forum or something. And then we could just arrange to both be at a CVS at the same time in the parking lot. And I wouldn't even have to say what my car looked like. Like I could just drive and park my car and, you know, we just agreed to be there both at six and we could trade and we would never identify each other. And one of the guys said, oh my gosh as a six foot, 200 pound man, that never occurred to me. But as a woman playing with her daughter, I'm like, yeah, hello. It was, oh my gosh. Like it was, you could see this, like his eyes, all of them were kind of reacting like, oh, oh, like it never occurred to them. And what's interesting is it's surprising that it made it into Pokemon Go because most of those things, games and software tools and stuff are written by those guys. And they don't think about the experience of a woman, a mother, a child. They just don't, because they just don't, right? right? Like I wouldn't design a good bathroom for men because I don't know how high the urinal <laughs> should be because whatever, but they just don't think about it. So anyway, we, we scrolled off. Sorry. So feelings and emotions being distinct. Okay. So she is, she essentially said that the feelings are just that impulsive reaction. 
And that emotion is when you get, she didn't use this language. It's my language from landmark or whatever, but when you Mm -hmm. get to choice, like when you get to the create the part of it that could be created, like what you choose to do with it, that that's the, that's emotion. And she essentially said, if you don't get to that emotion place, if you don't um, get to choice with it, like that's when feelings get trapped in our body and they, and she said like feelings are energy. So they have to go somewhere. And I was like, that's right. And I was like, fuck you. I'm leaving. I'm out of here immediately (laughs) because her language as an energy worker and her study of that really deeply, like that made sense to me. Like, I know that feelings are an energetic, you know, transfer in the body, you know, through our neuropathways and all this stuff. And that if we don't, it was so helpful for me to think about like, well, I don't even know if I want to deal with a lot of that stuff that just happens. Like, but I do, I liked the idea that if I don't take that into, you know, the place where it's choice, where I can be really responsible for it and generate something with it, that that's where it gets trapped. And I've been, you know, kind of toying around with that this week, because whenever I have heartache around my children, I always have like, the backside of my heart just aches. And last night, John was like massaging my back. And like, I couldn't even have him touch that part of my, like behind my heart space because it was so painful. And he put oils and like, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was really interesting to think about like, what is there to get to in here that will let this emotion, it was just a new perspective, but I liked that. Like the feelings are just the place about like the soup of what's happening, but to take, take the next step and get empowered about it and be responsible for it. And I've wondered like, how do you keep shit from just getting buried? And so that process of like, oh, this is how to release it is to get to choice and be in a place that's empowered and move through it. So I thought it was really helpful. Like, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, how do I keep like just going? Oh, well, that's I'm sad because something happened like whatever isn't going to keep it get from getting trapped in my body somewhere but responding to it and moving through it is a place feeling it and feeling it right like feeling it in your body and I love her take on it and I have a slightly different take on it it's like I think this is a place in the human experience where this is what we've talked about a lot right of reclaiming wisdom and things that we can't necessarily put in a test tube or put under a microscope because I look at it slightly differently that so I'm trained at the life coach school and they have like the aesthetic of thoughts create feelings period and I feel like that is a fantastic tool um it's really useful for things like I'm really mad because my mother-in-law made spaghetti for dinner and then you kind of tease apart like no, you're not mad because she made spaghetti for dinner. She made spaghetti for dinner. And then you told yourself a story about how she's sabotaging your diet. And then the thought she's sabotaging my diet made you angry. Like you, you had such a good tool for basically CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of based on teasing all that stuff apart so that you can be, you know, responsible for responsible. Yeah. And like what you're talking about with getting to choice where you like recognize the anger in your body and I've always felt that was incomplete. And my work around accelerance, um, and I've talked about this, uh, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast about the fast and slow brain, like what she would call feelings of what's no, just you happening. Haven't. Okay. So, um, oh gosh, I don't know if I can create it all on the podcast tonight. Let me do, see if I can Maybe do you could link possible. your talk to it too. Do you have Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. Because you have visuals and like, it's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. But briefly- this idea that was well, not an idea. We actually have a brain that uh, two, our brain is divided into lots of parts, but for the purposes of this talk, two pieces that I call the fast brain and the slow brain. And your slow brain is where you actually have thoughts like my mother-in-law is sabotaging my diet because she made spaghetti and she hates me. <laughs> That's a <laughs> thought that comes from your slow brain. It's very logical, very methodical. It's the part of your brain that can manage a spreadsheet that can follow a recipe. And then we also have our fast brain, which is still part of our brain, but it actually doesn't even have language. Like it can understand language, but it can't talk. And it takes in massive amounts of input. Like the difference between these is like the RAM in your computer is your fast brain and an old dot matrix printer 
is your slow brain. Like that's the difference. And so you take in all kinds of input and then you make these quick decisions. And that brain is the faster part of your brain is also responsible for making shortcuts. Um, you can call them heuristics, which are like basically decision-making patterns. Um, and so it'll take in all kinds of inputs and that stuff will get stored. And then if something happens, there isn't really a decision to get made. You're making it, but you're making it so fast that you have no idea where it came from. It came from your brain. It came from your experience. It came from your trauma. It came from right. repeated whatever. Like you're thinking about emotions aren't safe. You weren't thinking that in words in your brain, but no, there no, was a part sure. of your brain that was like, ah, because ah, there's no language. Right. There's no language on there. So an emotion comes in that part of your brain goes, nope. And you shut it down because you made that decision. Like, and it, like Riley getting pushed down on the playground. Sometimes it can be one quick thing. And she wasn't walking around thinking and saying, nobody will help me. Nobody cares. I mean, she was, but it was kind of growing. It was like flowers that grew out of that root that she stored in the fast brain. So I look at it a little bit differently than the energy. What's her name? Can you say her name? The person, the massage person. Um, I don't remember we'll just call her, her last Julie. name. Her first name's Rachel. <laughs> oh, Rachel. she's amazing. Okay, so. And I just don't remember her last name. I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to be able to say her name rather. So Rachel looks at it as like what I would call fast brain thoughts. She calls that the feelings, just the soup. And then what she calls emotions, I would call like a slow brain thought. So there's still just that distinction. Um, and one of the things that's super powerful, which is what I use the accelerant oils for is the things that are stored in your fast brain you can get them out by doing thought work, like telling yourself, oh, it is safe to have emotions. That'll like pick it out over a long time. Or you can just go after it with oils and just like yank it up by the root and have it go away and never even know really what it was. Um, like I have a scarcity, I used to, I don't anymore, a scarcity mindset that came from some deep, who knows, who knows, probably something that happened when I was three, almost always something that happened when you were really little or a deeply right. traumatic event, Right. And also things that happen when we were really little are more deeply traumatic because we don't have the same skills. Um, and that's the other thing is these emotions and feelings and quote thoughts, the wordless thoughts get stored at the level of capability of that age you were. So like I have a three-year-old driving my bus, right? <laughs> we all do. Um, and so that's one of the things that's great about accelerants, like you going for your, um, your massage energy work and like using essential oils is you can pull those things straight out and it doesn't even matter what it was. Who cares? You know, a lot of like therapy, like, well, how did that, what do you think happened? Let's dig deep. Let's find out who told you this. Like, who gives a shit? Just get it out. And I don't mean that in a suppressing way. It's more like there's this tumor and it keeps growing tendrils out my belly and I can keep cutting the tendrils off or I can open my belly, take the tumor out, sew my belly back up, never have another tendril. And who cares what day the tumor started growing? It doesn't matter. It's gone. And that's what's so right. cool and a lot about of times, the oils and sellers. It doesn't really matter, right? Like we just want it, like just processing something. Like we don't always, like there's trauma that I believe like needs to be fully processed and understood cognitively. And there's plenty of stuff like, I don't know if I give two shits what happened to me when I was one or what happened to my grandmother that I inherited somewhere. Like, yeah. unless there's a gift in it, I don't care. Like, even if I look at a lot of things like with, you know, being a mother of a child who experienced super, super early childhood trauma, like, does she need to go back and try to dredge that up and relive it somewhere? Like, not unless that's the path forward. And right. if you could just get it out, if you could just like right. pull that trauma out because she's felt it plenty that right. she doesn't need to feel it anymore. If you could just pull it out. And th I think this would be a good time to tell my Hallie Christmas story, which I've I never told on the ask podcast. If you were going yeah. to tell that story. Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's a, it's a vulnerable story, but it's such a beautiful it's a great example of accelerants too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was working with um, a teacher, the first person I worked with that I really did um, emotional oils work with. And we were going through this sequence. There was like this 12, protocol sequence that we were doing all these different pieces and we were doing this one for removing old pain and I did the protocol and I said I don't know I don't I didn't really feel anything and up to this point like I had been feeling all do you remember the one I was telling you and one of our other friends 
you guys had been talking about like giving birth to my best self or whatever. And then there was a thing that you did on your forehead. And she said, like, imagine a cervix opening straight up. And I was like feeling all this weird stuff and light coming in. And, and our friend was like, please tell me this is hundred percent true. I'm like, yes. So I was having all these really, I don't even remember this. I'm like, that sounds crazy. (laughs) I blocked it out because it sounds insane. It's too crazy. It's too crazy for that. But I'd been having these powerful experiences. So I did this one for removing all pain and I didn't really feel anything. Like, I don't know if I did it right. Sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you do whatever. Usually you'll know later when the results show up, but she said, well, add helichrysum. And I can't remember where I had to add it over my heart. Probably I said, okay. So I went into it's so weird I went into like a bathroom in the house that I never use like way in the back I don't know why but anyway I did I went back in there and I put the helichrysum over my heart and I instantly started now some of this stuff sounds like I'm just faking it or making it up because like you could have whatever experience you want you can pretend I had no idea what was going to happen right I was like not looking for any particular thing so I put the helichrysum on and I instantly start to sob these like gut heaving sobs that felt almost like, you know how your belly heaves when you vomit and you can't stop. Like if you've had food poisoning or something and just like you have these mm-hmm. waves of heaving and I was, yeah. but it was, I was crying like that. So I was like, but it was like the sobs were coming out like, oh, it was really weird. And I like collapsed on the floor down on my hands and knees, heaving up sobs, like not even really tears coming just like sobbing and stomach, like diaphragm completely spasming and like for about five minutes. And then it was totally over. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what that was. I mean, it was like, like a faucet turning on and turning off. That's how abrupt it started and stopped when it was done. And prior to that, I used to be plagued, haunted by um, always worrying that my husband was going to leave me. And if, if you need to know anything about Eric, he is like the most stable, faithful, committed, dedicated, like he's like a golden retriever. He would never leave the side of someone that he loved. And I used to just constantly, and not for any reason, like, oh, he's mad. He's going to leave. I just always worry. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. My my daughter's going to die. You know, everyone's going to leave. Everyone leaves was like this story I had. It's gone. It's totally a hundred percent gone. It has never, not that I don't occasionally like worry about my child getting hurt or something, but like that plague of those thoughts constantly just, I was haunted by that fear and anxiety about losing all my loved ones. Always. It's just totally gone since that day gone. Yeah. And so there was some, and I'm sure I could sit down with a therapist and they could talk about my parents' divorce and my mom dying young and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Really, it's gone. And it wasn't, I'm not avoiding it. I'm not suppressing it. I'm not like, I'm still worried about this, but I'll just pretend I'm not. It is 100% gone. Like it was a disease inside me that got removed. And And also that makes me think of like, how many times have we done the cognitive work, but the impact hasn't, hasn't changed. Like I'm still raging at my kid or I'm still Mm -hmm. like, you need something else to shift that's way deeper. And so again, like that's another time for looking for like, what else can we bring? What other tools are on the table? And unfortunately there's not enough tools on the table. Yeah. And I had done cognitive work on that one. I had done you know, biblical work. I had found Bible verses. I had done all kinds of, and it had shifted some, like it was less, right. The symptom, the quote symptoms of it was less. And I probably right. could have spent another 20 years and removed it bit by bit, but the Heli Chrysler got it up in five minutes of laying on the floor, vomit sobbing. So I'll take that. And I've never, I don't, I mean, it was a pretty regular conversation about feeling really unsettled in your you know, and like, how secure can I be with Eric? And now it's this very different conversation about like how God's given you the perfect husband that gives you all the security. It's really, really different because you like whatever happened in that space. Yeah. And it was never about him. I want to be super clear. It was never about him. He never gave me any reason to worry or think that it was like a tumor of whatever that got stored in my body somewhere in my brain, wherever it got stored of everyone will leave you always. 
And yeah. I, I walked around just in, in, I can't even express the amount of anxiety and pain and processing. It didn't, I didn't resist it. Like you, like you said, we had a million conversations about it. I worked it through in Bible study. I prayed, I did verses and the helichrysum removed it and it's gone forever. Like it's gone. Yeah, it's great. And that is one of many <laughs> accelerant stories, but especially around oils. And I love oils for this work because I feel like number one, we co-evolved with them and they're continuing to open up like whatever's happening in the world, the oils will continue to respond to it. I believe that. And number two, it's super accessible. Like I could put a drop of helichrysum in your hands for less than a dollar. Um, right. And that is, and only super accessible now because of the work doTERRA is doing in the world, right? Like to really think about, wow, the amount of healing that we could experience in humanity now that they've created this source of these oils. Um, right. Whether you're looking at only medicinally or then you start to add emotionally, like any one spectrum, you know, energetically, any one place that you're looking at, it opens up such an amazing amount for practitioners, but I, I and like, I'm sure that I like one oils was... too, because they're tangible, right? Like, yeah, I love, so we talk about the example of wild orange. Like it's one of my favorites of yours because wild orange, um, is the oil of abundance. And right. I've always been like, yeah, whatever. And then I heard you say one day that, you know, like, we'll go ahead and say what you say about wild oh, orange yeah. and abundance. So, and let me just say one more thing about the pain, like that, that pain of abandonment was probably generational too, because my grandma's parents got divorced too, which would have been shocking in the time that she was born, right? right like that true. just wasn't a thing. So there was probably an inherited component of that now. And now I won't pass it on. Um, or maybe I need to get it out of Riley because I already passed it on. We'll see. But anyway, okay. So wild orange is one of my favorite ones for talking about this slow fast brain thing, because most of us have experienced an orange. <laughs> so <laughs> if you picture yourself smelling an orange and you, my voice just changed because I cupped <laughs> my hands around my face, <laughs> um, your body instantly, like your, your, I don't want to get into all the science stuff of this, but like your thalamus and your hypothalamus constantly scanning. I, I mix them up. I mix up the two. I can't remember now which is which, but anyway, one of them scans the environment all the time and tells the other one to send hormones into the body. So you scan, you're constantly scanning the environment, making interpretations. So when you're smelling an orange, the interpretation that your body makes is, oh, there's some food here and it's really good for me. It's high in vitamin C. Um, it's got some good sugar in it. It's going to give me some good energy. It's got some fiber. Like an orange is a really excellent thing to have as an omnivore. And so when we smell wild orange, which is made from the, um, the peel of the oranges, our body interprets it the same way, our brain rather, brain body, it's kind of all the same in this analogy, as if we're in an orchard. So I'm now in an orchard, I'm surrounded because your brain doesn't have any like direct access to the outside world. So you can hack it. It's one of the things I love too, is accelerants are like hacks. So your brain can't tell the difference between smelling wild orange or being in an orange orchard full of ripe, like the ripest, juiciest, mouth-watering, abundant amount of food that you can imagine. So right. you're instantly in the presence of abundance with one drop of wild orange when you smell it because your brain doesn't know the difference between being in an orchard or smelling a drop of wild orange from a bottle. So when you look at wild orange as the oil of abundance, of course, it's going to bring it brings into that like fast brain part of you where you store those quick decisions. It brings in like, I call it scaffolding, like, Hey, Oh, whatever's happening, actually abundance is here. Cool. And you can use that to bring that in faster. And it works best if you use it along with thought work. Like if I wasn't aware of the, everyone will leave me eventually thing, I probably would have had an experience with Holy Christum, but I wouldn't really have been present to like, I loosened it and you know, got right. it going. So if you do have something like a scarcity mindset, you use wild orange and you also coach yourself and look for new beliefs and look for old beliefs and get rid of them. But the wild orange is going to make it all go faster because it brings in a scaffolding for you that you can kind of borrow the belief that your brain is thinking, Hey, we're in this orchard. I don't have to worry about anything. Everything I need is here. 
And all the oils have different energetic vibrations and different like co-evolvement points with us that bring it. And which is why I, which is why I prefer to do blends than singles. I mean, singles are great. Don't get me wrong. But when I bring, when I make a blend for somebody, I don't know, there's something just literally magic. That that's where I think real magic comes in. Something magic being maybe something that science that we just don't know what it is. But when you blend those energies together, like maybe you have a scarcity mindset and you also uh, don't trust people. So you might blend like wild orange with something like marjoram or cedarwood. Um, and it just, it's just a cocktail. It's just a super powerful cocktail. No, I think it, I think it's really funny. I, all I wanted you to tell was the orchard part and the trees, but you gave a very bad, like, okay, good. That's, I'm just teasing you a little like, but I don't think it matters for the person using it, how much of that all they understand, whether no, they're like, there's a vibration yeah. and it's energetic or it's like, for me, for a long time, I only looked at the emotions part. It's like, I'm using this to set an, inten- an intention. Like I'll use it during uh, meditation or I'll use it. Like I'm, you know, Lynn made me this blend for a breakthrough. And whenever I use it, I'm intentionally like connecting my brain and my heart and you know, whatever's going on when I use the oils with the purpose that I want it to have an outcome. And now I'm way more woo about it than I was, but I think that's enough, right? Like whatever's happening or not happening, um, especially if it's inside of what I'm in alignment with and there's nothing violating how I feel like, you know, about energy or good or bad, you know, positive or negative or any of those things. Like, I think there's instant you know that's some of that like we can just accelerate our work even with it out without with with it out even without it being all of our work we don't have to understand all of it to have it be accessible yeah and I would say the only exception to what you just said is you can resist and block it so the person doesn't need to sure like be totally bought in or understand it all they just need to be open to it because it's energy right so you can block it and then it just, well, the same goes with like therapy. You can go to, th- I mean, how many of you have parents have sent their kids yeah. to therapy and had it produce nothing? <laughs> and I think it's like, no, I've made blends for people and I've tried to explain, <laughs> I've tried to explain to them, like they say, how do I use it? And I, and when do I know if, when I'm done? And I said, it sounds weird, but it's hundred percent the way, like when you're, when it's good for you and when it's going to work for you, usually it will feel like your body's taking it in like your body will like absorb it in, in a very, you just like, you roll it on or you put it on and you're just like, oh, like I had one person tell me like, I just want to wrap myself all around this, like, perfect. It's exactly what you need right now. And then when your body is done, it'll feel, I told her, it'll feel like a bonk. And she's like a bonk. I'm like, yeah, it'll feel like you're rolling it on like a a piece of sheet metal and it'll just like roll right off. I mean, it might Mm -hmm. still physically absorb, like you might watch it go into your skin but your body is like, nope. And it's not bad. You're just done with that. And so that's one of the things that's a little woo and weird. I don't know why this happens, but I just know this is true that when you're using one of the blends I make, or if you're using a single or a protocol or whatever, if you're, if you can feel yourself like energetically pulling it in, like absorbing it, then it is what you need. And then sometimes your body will be like, nah, and it'll just kind of roll off almost like water on a, on a metal sheet. I don't know if I've yeah, ever you're told drawn you that to before. it or not drawn. It's to one it. of my weird, yeah. one of my weird things. Um, although sometimes, like sometimes, the ones you need will gross you out, and um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not. Like if you're having a reaction at all, even if it's right. being repulsed, then it's probably good. But if you're just like feeling like, oh, I had a metal sleeve and I poured water and the water just went on the ground, then you're done with that for now. Ooh, I'm starting to sound witchy. Don't, you know, I object generally to any, any use of the I, word witchy. I know, <laughs> I know. And I'm sitting right here next to some wild, some white sage and lavender mini wands that I bought to smudge the house once we move back inside. And that Riley is really excited to smudge with me. And I'm so excited. Wait, did you say mini wands? Yeah, they're just, that's just describing the shape, shape of them instead of a long, like sometimes sage is in a long stick. These are just little ones that have like a tiny handle and then a little bulb 
rather than like a long stick mini wands instead of like a long wand. All right. But not a it. magic wand. <laughs> okay, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what's happening? And I'm sure like I'm totally gauche for buying them at Whole Foods, but she was super excited to come and smudge with me. And so we will be doing that before we move home. We'll be smudging nice. the sage and the Palo Santo. And then we'll you cut, the will you do blood. like some anointing, the doorways and all that? I love that. Yeah, probably. All right. Yes, indeed. There's been a then lot I'll feel of like I can house. come in your house again. Yeah. Got to ward <laughs> those vampires. No, not really. <laughs> so did we talk enough about accelerants, Halloween costumes and accelerants? I think so. All right. As I so, yawn. As you yawn. Yep. We just I'm got vanilla for- at convention or this year. Like there, I mean, vanilla is like some kind of special crack for me. I don't even remember what it does, but I made the mistake of putting vanilla on because it always makes me oh. super, super relaxed. And why would you do that? I, I don't know. It smells good. And it was sitting beside the bed. So I was like, oh, I should put some vanilla on. It's like when you assaulted me that time with uh, Serenity at convention. I know. And you I, were like, really, you were really mad at me. Well, I was mad because like you made me slur my words and stagger around. yeah because at the time I was using (laughs) serenity to sleep and I was being really cranky and you like without permission non-consensual serenity application (laughs) and then I was like why did you do that the worst (laughs) (laughs) so good all right on that slurry well John can come back in the house and watch hockey and I'll be slurring my words while he does and I will go I will go cook the salmon that Riley picked out at Whole Foods was very excited about everything bagel salmon that that's fantastic there's kind of like a an everything bagel thing happening right now I don't know if you knew about that no is it everywhere yeah like you can buy everything bagel seasoning and then everything has everything bagel on it all right very well so (laughs) I will see you next time not coughing in the ladies room all right ciao Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies room. You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Mm-hmm.